Have you ever heard the sounds of the sea? Of whales and dolphins, snapping shrimp, boat noise and military sonar? Welcome to Insonorous Seas, the podcast. My name is Vary Killin and I'm an artist from the Isle of Iona. Join me as I encounter vastness, complexity and wonder in the sounds of the seas that surround the chain of Scottish islands known as the Hebrides. This story begins with a stranded whale and takes us deep into another world of human and non-human sounds. Come listen to the sea and find out what it can reveal to us. Follow the podcast online at onsonorousseas.com and all your other usual podcast platforms. Welcome to episode one of Insonorous Seas. This story begins with a whale carcass which came ashore in August 2018 at Tri Antuya, Strand of the Seat, at the north end of the Isle of Iona, where I live. Historically, news of a whale washing up in an island community would travel fast, with the carcass rapidly being processed for food, oil and bone material. The North End Whale, as it became known, was no exception to this ancient relationship between human and whale, and the decomposing whale rapidly became less of itself, some of its body being claimed by scavenging birds and some by scavenging islanders. The appearance and gradual disappearance of the whale made me curious as to why it had died in the first place and why we islanders so badly wanted to keep parts of it. There was covert competition for the prize elements, the skull and the largest pieces of vertebrae. It was a strange but somehow also familiar feeling to realise that I too wanted to have something of this creature to keep. Perhaps the motivation for all of us scavengers was totemic, a response to a visceral call to connect to our ancient ancestors and to the otherness of the deep unknown world inhabited by these normally hidden and magnificent mammals. Then news broke nationally that our whale was just one of 118 that had died at sea and come ashore around the Hebrides, Ireland, the Faroes and Iceland in a matter of weeks. All beaked whales, the deepest diving group of whales on the planet. One species type, one time period, over a focused area of sea. More strandings in one month than in the past 10 years and the largest global stranding of beaked whales ever recorded. Scientists from the Scottish Marine Animal Stranding Scheme were called in by the UK and Scottish Government to investigate an unfolding story of cryptic environments, the military and the acoustic world of the beaked whale. Before the mechanisation of whaling ships, whalers often heard whale song, the wooden hulls of their ships acting as amplifiers, revealing a world of mythical voices once attributed to sea sirens and monsters of the deep. But the oceans of the world are no longer quiet enough to hear whale song from the deck of a boat. Industrial shipping, seismic mapping for oil, gas and minerals, and active military sonar all flood the depths of a largely unexplored world with sound which doesn't die away in moments, but exists for months travelling and pulsing across vast oceanic distances.
Cuvier's beaked whales, the species of whale washed ashore in Iona, are particularly sensitive to changes in their acoustic environment. They are dependent on echolocation to see, to hunt, navigate and communicate in the depths of their dark, pressurised environment, exactly like submarines, in fact. Both behemoths occupy territory about which scientists and the military know very little. What is known is that the mid-range frequency of active military sonar is particularly damaging to deep diving cetaceans, causing them to become disoriented, rise rapidly from the depths and suffer decompression injuries leading to death. This overlay of military territory with the territory of the whales, along with observing how I and my fellow islanders responded to the North End whale, made me want to find out more. More about the militarisation of our seas, more about the research being done into the impact of anthropogenic sound pollution, and more about my fellow islanders across the Hebrides who collected whale bones and who felt somehow connected to these distant beings. In May 2021, I joined a scientist and two crew on the Tobermory-based Hebridean Whale and Dolphin Trust research vessel, the Silurian. Our 10-day voyage intentionally coincided with Joint Warrior, Europe's largest military UK-led NATO exercise, which takes place around the Hebrides twice a year. The Hebridean Whale and Dolphin Trust have been running monitoring surveys to coincide with the Joint Warrior exercises since 2009, to help understand the impact that these activities may have on cetaceans across the Hebrides. In advance of the May 2021 trip, one of the Trust scientists, Lauren Hartley-Mills, wrote, The Hebridean Whale and Dolphin Trust have long-standing concerns about the impact that joint warrior exercises have on cetaceans. We question how Europe's largest military exercises are allowed to take place within and near to protected areas specifically designated to protect Scottish cetaceans and known cetacean hotspots. These areas also support whale watching and nature tourism, which has become an important part of the local economy. It is difficult to understand how such activities are compatible with the conservation objectives for these protected areas and the well-being of local communities. This statement speaks to the complex relationship of the military to the communities around the Hebrides, exemplified by the building of the Hebrides Missile Range on Uist in the 1950s. The range was built to test Britain and America's first guided nuclear weapon, the Corporal Missile. Deeply divisive at the time within the local community, the building of the range touched on issues of economic sustainability, cultural extraction, ecology and religion. And now the range, the only site in Europe where long-range missiles can be fired, is part of an extensive military presence in the Outer Hebrides, which stretches over 12 sites from St Kilda to Eriskay and employs around 220 islanders. As an artist, I'm interested in what is not necessarily at first apparent within landscape. Nearly 70 years on from the very apparent inception of the missile range, the issues of economic sustainability, cultural extraction and ecological impact in relation to the militarisation of the Hebrides now no longer seem to be quite so apparent. In fact, they seem to be normalised within our visual and psychological understanding of these landscapes. 
Previously, the Ministry of Defence had refused to give me clearance as an artist to access their land sites in the Hebrides, but they could do nothing about me being part of a Hebridean Whale and Dolphin Trust research team as a citizen scientist. So I was aboard, and a transformative voyage lay ahead, which would take us from Tobermory in the north of Mull up to Cape Wrath, via Skye, Rassi, the Small Isles, the Summer Isles and the Outer Hebrides, in gale force winds, rain, sea swell and sunshine. Normally the Trust runs citizen science research trips with six volunteers and four crew, but due to Covid we were reduced to a team of four, collecting visual and acoustic data whilst chasing NATO warships. The Ministry of Defence give permission to the Trust to be in the waters around the exercise, but they do not share information about manoeuvres. On previous expeditions, the Royal Navy have cooperated by sharing sightings of cetaceans by their own observers, but this wasn't the case in May 2021. Having marine mammal observers on board is one way that the Royal Navy tried to mitigate the impact of Joint Warrior on the ecology of the seas they are training in. They also conduct a genetic sonar risk assessment and active transmissions are limited to 211 decibels. However, this can be increased if it is deemed that the risk to marine animals is low. Most cetaceans have an acoustic threshold of around 185 decibels. Having our GPS jammed regularly, along with other vessels in the area, being circled by a Royal Navy helicopter, cut across by a Danish frigate, and being radioed in a 35 mile an hour gale to change course immediately, not easy in a 19 metre yacht, were just some of the interactions we experienced with the exercise. But it was limited, and it was clear that we were no more than a brief distraction in a war game. Our focus was on data, particularly sound data, collected via a hydrophone trailing along the side of the boat. Like a technological shaman, the hydrophone acted as a conduit to another world, allowing us to connect through the sense of hearing to the marine beings below and to the active sonar and other anthropogenic sounds. These sounds were listened to for one minute in every 15 from 8am till around 8pm every day. Weather conditions and identification of sounds were recorded immediately. It was deep listening on a level I had not experienced before and I soon became able to distinguish between the sound of snapping shrimp, sounds like frying food and hot oil, to the indeterminate background noises of the boat and water movement. I became all at sea. My internal fluids adjusted to the aquatic rhythms. My mind floated. Time became a sequence of intervals of deep listening and active empathic watching. Dreaming, floating, rising and falling with, at times, a huge sea swell. It was a pelagic experience, my psyche and the sea, a feeling of mellifluous connectedness. I watched orca and minky whale, I felt strong emotions as I recorded, and I watched the emotions of my companions, joy, attentive focus, striving to reach a point where we could connect safely with and observe these wondrous creatures. It is our embodied capacity to feel, to know and understand as human beings that allows artists like me a way into participating in science. The Hebridean Whale and Dolphin Trust Joint Warrior Research Trip 
allowed me to participate in different relationships and processes governing a world, till then, relatively unfamiliar to me, because I lived it for 10 days, directly and imaginatively. This was a phenomenological learning experience, embodied learning in a specific and relational environment. And the emotional responses were apparent in the scientists and crew too, even though they had years of experience of observing marine mammals. As we travel through the vastness around us, I wonder from where this emotion, like the need to collect from the North End whale, stemmed. Why has historically and throughout many cultures the whale occupied the imagination of the human mind? Watching the sea day after day, I had a surge of understanding part of the response to that question that I share a distant past and a future with these creatures and that they are, in fact, my kin. Darwin explains it better. Our ancestor was an animal which breathed water, had a swim bladder, a great swimming tail, an imperfect skull and undoubtedly was a hermaphrodite. Here is a pleasant genealogy for mankind. Perhaps our joy is in recognising the creatures we once shared the seas with, our ancient fish brain recognises our ancestral playmates and wants to dive in. Writer and cultural theorist Astrida Nemanis reminds us that we are all bodies of water, from watery beginnings which blend us with deep time and which place us in a relationship of care towards all other bodies of water, both the same and different from ourselves. By transforming through music, poetry and art how we tell the narrative of the 2018 mass stranding of 118 beat whales, a narrative embedded in the complex overlay of two cryptic environments, the habitats of the military and the habitats of the whales, we transform how we observe this story and perhaps in doing so we can tell reality differently. Because without changing the observational process it's difficult to encourage a different perception of reality. And without perceiving from outside our own sensory reality, by attempting to perceive from within the sensorium of animals, through whatever means, be it art, music or science, how can we possibly reach an understanding of the damage we are causing? Perhaps the exercise of deep listening, enhancing our sensory perception and attending to these sounds can be, as Pauline Oliveras pioneered, a form of activism which, and I quote, takes us below the surface of our consciousness and helps to change or dissolve limiting boundaries. How we listen and how we tell the story matters in helping to dissolve the boundaries which intentionally limit understanding, perception, relationship and ultimately change. The inevitable resurgence of the Cold War and surveillance of our seas from the ocean's depths makes a meaningful commitment of science and military to share knowledge and work collaboratively more pressing than ever for all the relationships we value. Join me in two weeks' time for the next podcast when I'll be talking to composer Fergus Hall. On Sonorous Seas is a story told with the voices of science, art, music and poetry, and it explores the impact of military sonar and the ecology of the seas surrounding the Hebrides. The project is supported by the Hebridean Whale and Dolphin Trust, the Scottish Association for Marine Science, Scottish Marine Animal Stranding Scheme, and the National Museum of Scotland. 
On Sonorous Seas is funded through Antoper and Mull Theatre, Creative Scotland, The Space CIC, Culture, Heritage and Arts, Argyll and Isles, and AN Bursaries. The sounds in this podcast series have been used with kind permission of the Hebridean Whale and Dolphin Trust and the Scottish Association for Marine Science. This podcast was co-produced by Barry Killin and Fergus Hall, edited by Fergus Hall, with sound compositions by Fergus Hall.